0: And welcome to the Health Hacks podcast, the podcast for high-performing, professional females looking for practical ways to optimise all areas of their health and wellness. At Health Hacks, we understand that as a busy female, you wear numerous hats throughout your working week. You're trying to juggle it all, while also looking to carve out time to prioritise your own goals. It's challenging. It's therefore our mission to channel your energy into the areas that are going to help give you the biggest bang for your buck, to really make significant changes to your lifestyle in the most efficient way possible. So at the moment, if you feel as though you need more energy, you want to feel more productive to improve the quality of your sleep, to lower stress, to increase confidence, to show up better in both your personal and your professional relationships, this podcast is for you. If it's time you prioritised your health, learned to fuel your body, found time for exercise and said goodbye to fad diets and inconsistent behaviours for good, this podcast is for you. If it's time for you to step into the shoes of the high performer you know you can be, this is the right podcast for you. Join me and my guests as we take you through the Health Hacks podcast. Hello, on today's episode of the Health Hacks podcast, I'm thrilled to be joined by Debbie Edwards. Debbie supports her client base of entrepreneurs and professionals in a very unique way, looking at high performance through a lens of deep self-love. Debbie utilizes methodologies from NLP, neuroscience, nervous system management, transactional analysis, and combines this with her work as a spiritual healer to support clients to transform their lives. Today, Debbie and I are going to be diving into the topic of self-compassion, self-love, something we arguably don't show ourselves enough of in 2023. You're going to love this episode. If you're someone who feels as though their own self-talk, potentially their own self-sabotage is the thing that's been holding them back, making progress, this one is 100% for you. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we dive into our recording. If you have not already taken our health check review, where have you been? Let's face it, we track a lot of data in our professional lives. We sometimes track in our personal lives too, tracking calories, steps, sleep, you may be doing all three. But what about your overall health? What about bringing all of these components together to give you an overall score? The Health Check Review does exactly that. The series of evidence-based questions will take no more than 60 seconds of your day, but will rate your performance over a number of arenas, from formal exercise, movement, nutrition and mindfulness, to give you an overall score. Not only that, but based on the data you provide, the Health Check Review will then give you personalised feedback on the areas you're currently strong in and those that potentially require a little bit more work. So this is wonderful for you if you're starting out and you'd like an initial score. You can then look to improve your markers over a number of weeks, retake the tests and see how you're getting on. Or if you're someone who has started on their health, fitness and wellness journey, but you want to pinpoint the areas of your life that perhaps need a bit more attention, again, this is for you. The health check review will be linked in the show notes below. And of course, if you want to discuss your outcomes with myself or a member of the team, please don't hesitate to get in touch. If you have been enjoying health hacks so far, if you have found even one thing from one of our recordings helpful, do us the biggest favor in sharing the message of the podcast and send health hacks to someone in your life who's looking to make positive changes to their overall lifestyle. And we're really pleased to be announcing that we will be launching a new intake of our six week power challenge. Power is our six week program designed for busy individuals who want to kickstart a positive change to their lifestyle. We'll be looking at all things activity, formal exercise and nutrition and doing so with the support of a one-to-one coach. If you are keen to make a lifestyle change, if you need something that's going to give you that initial oomph, you need support in doing that, you want the accountability of working with a coach, we are launching our new program on the 17th of April. 17th of April will be the next intake of power and we will be running that for six weeks. If you are interested, drop me a message and we'll send you the early bird information on our next intake. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with Debbie Edwards.
1: It's lovely to be here. Thanks so much for, for bringing me on to talk about a topic that, strangely, can be very polarizing, which is self-love.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to get into this with you today, Debbie. Um, just to set the scene, can you give the listeners a little bit of an introduction into who you are and what you do with your clients?
1: So I'm Debbie Edwards, I'm a transformation and business coach, and I work predominantly with entrepreneurs and leaders who are looking to make a big impact in the world, but who don't want to sacrifice their entire life in order to get there. So it's cultivating the practice of deep self-love and using techniques from neuroscience and nervous system management to make sure that there's a sustainable approach to some of the practices that we bring into their, their way of thinking, their way of being, their way of talking to themselves, and just the creation of an entire new love language that sets them up in a way that suddenly anything that they want to achieve feels achievable, you know. So it's 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 a different way of looking at performance. It's certainly not the old paradigm of performance and leadership. It's very much around rootedness in compassion and deep self-love and seeing them very differently, placing a completely different lens on what it means to have a relationship yourself with yourself and go out into the world and build build big things and take bold
0: moves. That's a perfect place to start, actually, in regards to deep self-compassion. Why do you feel in 2023, women in particular find it so difficult to be self-compassionate? Why do you think we have this this uh, mode that we feel we have to be go, go, go all the time and put everyone else ahead of ourselves?
1: I think um, there, are, there can be a number of ways in which this manifests itself. Um, sometimes if I use myself as, as an example, because I always like to do that because I don't like to talk for anybody else in their circumstances. So, so that we, we keep that neutral for people. Uh, my own set of circumstances was that I grew up in a very working class family where women especially were seen as the selfless, you know, there was the selfless in service woman, um, I saw um, a quote on Instagram recently and I thought, oh my God, that describes my childhood. And it just said, when I was growing up, I never saw a relaxed woman. And it was absolutely the truth. You know, they were on the go, always in service, very much around. They were the ones who were integral to the family, the home. Um, so our family backgrounds can often mean that we haven't had role models where we've seen women truly putting themselves first, and I mean in a serious way, which I know we'll get more into, but we're not just talking about they ran themselves a bubble bath once a week, you know, and relaxed, or they did a spa once a month. We're talking about deeply ingrained different ways of being as a woman within family units and work units. Secondly, I I think society can, you know, really tell us a story that this is the role that women play because we're meant to be the nurturers, the givers. Um, We're not meant to be the receivers or the takers. And I think that goes right back to, you know, which is why one of my courses is called Eve. I think it goes right back to the story of Eve where it was seen to be deeply selfish and destructive for a woman to see what she wants, take what she wants, and be completely selfish and I think there's a story there that then gets very much ingrained in us as we go through an education system and a work system that means that part of our DNA and our cellular biology means that if we're not doing that role if we're not nurturing if we're not giving we feel as though actually we're not being a good person or a good wife or a good mother or a good daughter. So all of the roles, as they've been described to us, are very much based around put yourself last and put everybody else before you. And then you'll be seen to be doing okay in the world as a woman,
0: you know. So, Toby, what do you find are the consequences to women who actually follow that narrative and who actually put themselves last? What kind of issues do they, do they face?
1: Oh, my God, you know, so, so many. So, again, I'll talk about my own circumstances. For me, in the early days of, of a very um, challenging corporate career, what that meant was I just took on everything. You know, I became, and I, and I talk about this with a lot of my clients, for whom it also rings true for them, they are the go-to person to do all of the things. They're the fixer and the enabler. So they're the ones that, that, first of all, people go to them and say, oh, just give it to Debbie. She'll, just, she'll sort it. She'll shove a bow on top. It will come back to you. You won't have to think about things. And what, that ha- what happens there is that not only do you create a workload that means that you, from my example, I very much took myself to burnout and back again numerous times, but then you sort of create this self-concept which becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy then you start to convince yourself that if I stop being the helper and the fixer, will people stop thinking that I'm helpful and I'm worthy? So it actually, the way that you behave and all of your choices around your behavior, then define you and you attach your self-worth to your outcomes in work. And it means then that you're, you feel stuck, like you can't stop because Without being those things, who am I? What am I to people? So it becomes very, very deeply entrenched in people's mindsets and they fear stopping because they think, well, what will people think of me if I'm not selfless? What will people think of me if I do choose myself first? They think suddenly that they'll become a lesser person or they'll be less thought of or judged more harshly if they choose themselves first and the truth is you have to go through a little bit of an unlearning process before you can actually start this work because you have to let some of those old thoughts go because in order to do this work you have to have the capacity to stop caring about what other people think first and start to really centralize how you feel because Without that, what I have seen um, is burnout, levels of overwhelm that mean that their hormones are out of balance, their nervous systems are out of balance, levels of what I call resentful yeses when they really want to say no, which builds like a fire and and frustration inside of their bodies, which can often lead to inflammation and some inflammatory autoimmune um, challenges. There's a whole host of things, and it's not just about our, our mindset and how it affects us stress-wise. It's how it affects us on a cellular level, and there's always a physical consequence to some of these aspects of never choosing yourself first.
0: We actually we recorded a, a podcast with uh, Dr. Luke McCabe several weeks ago, and one of the things Dr. Luke was talking about, and that really hit home for me, was our body as a as a network, and really the the implication of our lifestyle uh, and its consequences on our our physiological being, and it's what you're touching on there, Debbie, and I suppose. My personal perspective: As soon as someone's talking about burnouts and inflammation, everything goes along with that. My response is to look at the physical. Yeah. Your expertise is really on the mindset consequence, isn't it? Of of yeah. what this means as an individual. If you keep going and keep going and banging your head against that metaphorical brick wall, and carrying a heavier load, and carrying a heavier load. And I'm sure many women listening to this can resonate with that. Busy mums, hectic career. They want to put themselves first. They yeah. feel that they can't. Yeah, yeah. What advice would you give someone in that position?
1: I think the, the hardest thing is what we're really talking about. It doesn't matter what it is. We're talking about breaking very entrenched habits. And quite often when people consider breaking old habits and building new habits, what they think is that it's actually just about making different choices. And that works to a certain degree. So you can maybe think, well, I'll make more choices about being more organized or I'll make different choices about how I allocate my time. But the way that I work is it's not really about making different choices it's about having better thoughts because it's the thoughts that trigger your choices in any given moment and if we only focus on the choices then we can only take you so far we have to change the source and the source is always the thoughts that you're having about yourself in any given moment so that is things like well I will make better choices about setting some time aside for myself. That's the choice. But the thought is, I do that because I love myself and I'm worthy of taking that time. So making that connection between the choice that you're making or having the origin of thought first, which is, I'm worthy of this. That's where it all stems from is worthiness. Then your choices will just flow. But you would be doing it from a place of, deep self-love rather than I'm going to make different choices because then I'll be better organized. That's just a new function in your life. That's just a new choice. That's just a new habit. We have to get to the core of things because that's when things really change. What you're doing there is you are starting to create a brand new love language, which means that you are starting to have an inner dialogue with yourself that's based solely on love and compassion, rather than judgment and motivating ourselves from self-loathing or self-hatred or self-judgment, we start to give ourselves love language and have an inner dialogue that is fundamentally rooted in self-love. And that's when the interesting things happen, because that's when different that's what when it influences your neuroplasticity and starts to really have an impact on a cellular level long term
0: negative Mm self-talk i'm sure every female listening to this can relate they've probably done it multiple times today even um debbie what are practical ways that we can adjust or adapt our train of thought To start leaning into that idea of neuroplasticity and when we're talking about neuroplasticity we're talking about the ability of the the brains the the connections the neurons to adapt and change with repeated behaviors how can we do that when we're talking about self-talk particularly what are methods that we could use?
1: Uh, Two really really simple methods that I use with my clients so both really impactful because they also take the sting out of inner self-talk because negative self-talk is a really interesting one. And I've known people and worked with people, and I've been a bit like this myself, is that we can get ourselves into such a complex relationship with our self-talk that sometimes we judge ourselves for being hard on ourselves. We can go that deep with it that even when we're talking to ourselves badly – We'll say to ourselves, oh, you're, you're so awful the way that you talk to yourself. So we can take it to the nth degree. So one thing that really takes the heat out of things and the sting out of things, and it makes people just, for me, it's about creating moments of pause, moments where you could just take a breath. So actually, I'm going to focus on three things. So the first technique is what I call the heartbeat technique, and you can use this in many, many situations. But if we're focusing on um, your negative self-talk, it's allow that to come. When you're unlearning something, you're not going to unlearn it overnight. Allow that to come and then sit and let your heart beat three times. That's it. Let your heart beat three times and think to yourself, what's really going on here? Why have you shown up What is it you really want to say? What is really going on here? And start to have what I call a gentle observation dialogue. You're not trying to fix yourself. You're not trying to solve anything. If you try to go into solving mode when negative self-talk comes, you go out from your heart right up to your head. We never solve anything that is to do with something deeper in our heads. Never. So when you go up there, you're trying to fix yourself and you don't need to be fixed. You're just a human having a human response to what is probably a challenging situation, a fearful situation, or there's something factual that's going on that means that you're just not feeling quite great today. So that's the first thing. Pause. Sit with it. Sit with that voice. Name it. Call it Brenda if you want to. You know, if you give your negative self-talk, some sort of persona, you can actually start to really have this gentle dialogue. And it, it, you know, sometimes it might just make you smile and that might be enough. It might be enough to let it go. If that isn't enough, having that pause moment and you're still feeling the after effects of that negative self-talk, what I say to my clients is, right, well, now you have two doors that you could go through if you choose, So that negative self-talk comes. Normally, what will happen is that you will have an emotional response to that instantly. You'll have a feeling about yourself or the circumstances you're in, which also then won't be nice. So what I say to them is the two doors are right in front of you. One of them is feelings and one of them is facts. And what I say to them is ignore the feeling door and push the door ajar that says facts. So you're in the fact room. What's the facts about today? Okay, well, I'm telling myself I'm rubbish today because actually last night I didn't sleep very well. I'm telling myself this is never going to work for me because actually this morning I scrolled on Instagram and saw somebody who runs a business like mine and they seem to be doing better. And Now I think it's never going to work for me. So there's always a fact before there is a need for a feeling. And it never fails that if you take yourself through the fact door first, you will find a really good, gentle, kind reason why you might not be feeling so great about yourself today. So the feeling bit, though, is where you can get a bit tricky because they can hang around and feelings can stay with you for quite some time. they might even shape your entire day. So in that instance, if you can't take yourself through the fact door, I say, okay, let the feeling come. But let yourself only linger there in a negative emotion for five minutes. And then we need a circuit breaker. And the circuit breaker is, is this. So you sit with it allow it, let yourself just be bloody human. And then the circuit breaker, which we can talk about in a minute, is ask yourself one question. And that question is, how can I love myself even more deeply right now? And that has the power to change everything.
0: Let's dive into that circuit breaker. Debbie, my head's going to explode. I've got so many questions, so many comments. But can we just expand a little bit more on that circuit breaker question? Because I think for a lot of people, that's the crux. So when we're asking ourselves, how can we love ourselves more deeply? Is that an action? Is it a continued thought pattern? What is, is do you write it down as a a journal entry? Do you speak it? Do Do you do something? What is that? You let it
1: lead you. You let it lead you wherever you go because this is the truth of it. This is your love language. It's nobody else's. This is where the dialogue starts to teach you what your love language actually looks like and what you actually, as a unique human being, need in any given moment. So for some, yes, they might say, write it out and don't look at it again. That's a sign of love. For others, they might say, you know what? I think I'd like to go through the fact door again. And then they go in the fact door and they say, oh, I feel bad because I haven't eaten for six hours. Okay, we're fine. We're good. We're moving on. What it does is it allows you to start creating a very unique blueprint for how you want to live your life and how you want to show yourself compassion and love from this point on. Because what works for somebody else might not work for you. This is about revealing a sort of love fingerprint that is only meant for you and that only you can hear and that only you can answer. And when you do that, you start to see that this entire journey, whether it's about the life choices you make or the business choices you make or the career choices you make, have to be about you and listening to your own voice. Because so many of us are living our lives influenced by the journeys of other people this is about you and having that dialogue means that you do whatever you want to do it might be well actually I'm going to go and have a bath during the middle of the day because I just need to stop and I need to rest and I need to give my brain a break yeah but there's also a neuroscience element to the question it's broken up in a few parts so that it starts to retrain your brain without you even really thinking. So would it be useful to talk about that? 100%. Okay. So the question is framed the way it is because of neuroscience. So our brains, naturally, if you think of humans and how we've developed, we basically live our lives asking ourselves questions every second of every day. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> Treat our brains like Google. What we forget to realize, though, is all of that questioning is getting listened to by our bodies. So it's going somewhere. You know, we're asking ourselves something and it's going somewhere. So what we've done there is we've still given our body what it wants. We've asked the body a question. But this time what we've said is, how can? So the brain goes, Oh, she's asking us a question. We need to, we need to take notice. But this time we say, How can I love myself? And the body goes, Oh. She doesn't ask that very often. Let's take notice. So it starts to sit up and wait for an answer. Then you're asking, so how can I love myself? Brain switched on even more deeply. So then you've told your brain and your body, we're looking for an answer that answers even more deeply. But what I'm telling myself is, I actually love myself right now. Because if she's asking if if it's about, can you love me more deeply? That means on some level, I already love myself. And the body starts to relax. And then you say, right now. That just brings you back into your body. It brings you back into the moment so that you can circuit break all of that negative, negative self talk and then sit with yourself and go, no, really, how can I love myself even more deeply right now? Not next week when I'm going to book a spa, not in a month's time when I'm going on holiday, in this moment. And then over time, you will have built completely different neural pathways so that when those natural challenges in life crop up and you have that circuit breaker to use, you will have started to build up entirely new patterns that you will then draw upon because there'll be new files in your brain. So that could be, for you, totally different for me. So today, if I was having negative self-talk and I asked myself that, for me, it could be as simple as, go and put the kettle on, make a really nice cup of tea, and just sit down. And it takes away all of this, I need to fix myself, and brings such a simplicity to your life that makes a huge and transformational impact.
0: Have you seen my shoulders just drop? Just- <laughs> like, I am literally, I'm so, your voice is incredibly relaxing. It's incredibly soothing, but everything you're saying, I think so many people will be listening to this and saying, I, this is what I've needed to hear. And I've needed to hear someone else articulate this in a way that I haven't been able to. Can I ask a question? And um, you're probably, you know me well enough to know that I like planning. I like structure. I like everything organized. Uh, my clients will know the same. The circuit breaker can you plan these in advance or is the idea that you should really be in tune with your needs in the here and now or is there merit in having my logic would be if something's worked for me previously I would try again I would pull those behaviors that have worked in the past I'd pull them into the present and those would be my default is that incorrect I
1: don't think it's incorrect I think there's definitely something to be said for even just putting in your diary on a Friday, you know, how have I loved myself deeply this week? I think there's definitely, or how could I love myself more deeply next week? I think there's, if that's your bag, then there's nothing to say that you can't make that part of your deep self-love practice. But definitely what we're talking about here is a totally different kind of flow to keep you moving through your week and it's that in tune bit with your body you know I think one of the you know the studies that we've seen over the last few years is that people talk about performance and when they talk about performance they talk about this flow state don't they Mm -hmm. and when we talk about flow state it's great but so many people think how do I find Where do I get that? You know, we start to go into the questioning. What I found with this is that it naturally increases performance because what it does, it optimizes your relationship with yourself. And that's the difference. It's an optimization of your relationship with yourself so deep that you understand your needs so well in any given moment that suddenly you stop worrying about the natural challenges in your life that might come ahead because what you know on a deep level is I've got this
0: yeah Debbie, we will get on to the relationship between what we're talking about, about deep self-love and high performance I just have one question because I've had this conversation a couple of times in the last few weeks it's specific to diet mm. and I know that in when we're talking there about moments of negative self-talk and triggering moments, for a lot of women who are struggling to drop body fat or are struggling to build healthier habits and lifestyle, a lot of the time their negative self-talk is triggered by food. Yeah. And in the extremities, we might be talking about binge eating behaviors. Yeah. And I don't want to go too much down too deep down the rabbit hole about binge eating, however. Is there anything that you have worked with your clients around this topic in particular where they found food is a real trigger around negative self-talk?
1: I think, you know, for me, that hasn't cropped up in, in any of my coaching clients just yet. But I think it comes right back to what I said at the start, which is quite often we can focus on the wrong things as being the solution. So we focus on, ooh, make better choices. Without attaching something deeper to that, which is actually maybe I need better thoughts.
0: So actually going deeper than that, we've got kind of three levels. We've got the self. This is me being very, very, um, but we've got the self. There are choices. And then below that, there are the, the thoughts that really back those up. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm moving my hands for anyone who can't see it. Um, but right at the top, we have what we present and our behaviours and our choices. Underneath that, we have the thoughts that really are the foundation. Yeah. and That's actually, we need to be going a little bit deeper and addressing those thoughts yeah. rather than just the choices understood.
1: This is where self-love really gets reframed for me. So if I was to use an example of someone in the corporate space where I've worked with them as a client, they might be presenting to me and saying, I'm finding it really difficult to deal with a really challenging person in a particular meeting that I go to every week. And I'm finding that my response is this, this and this, and I want it to change. And the first thing we have to establish is I could say to them, right, well, here's technique that you could use. And I could talk about their voice, and I could talk about their tone, and I could talk about their body language. And some of that I will touch on. But if I don't get to the root of, well, why would you even do this? Why do you want this change? And more often than not, I will completely switch their thinking and say, the reason you want to make this change is because you really love yourself. And some of the most difficult things in life that we want to do, the most challenging is, if I place love in that equation, that's a much deeper connection to you as a person than just me giving you techniques to deal outwardly with that person. It's much deeper. It's it's about saying, this is a technique for life and it starts with you. It's what I call the sonic boom effect. If I give you techniques and you attach love to it, you are so much more likely to make better choices and and have different behaviors when those challenging situations arise. So it changes the core of who they are because they
0: love themselves deeply. Someone once asked me about ways to combat really negative behaviors with uh, with food, Debbie. And one of the things that I was talking about from a coaching standpoint was talking about dieting from a happier place. Because if you've ever tried to make decisions from a happier place, there's no resentment. There's no, you don't tend to overthink. What I actually meant was if you can make decisions from a space where you love yourself, inadvertently, you are a happier person to be around and those yes. decisions that you make become easier yeah. that's complete that's just linked in my head in a way yeah. that it hasn't ever before yeah. i'm sure there are many women who'll be listening to this who are high performers and who are probably listening to this on a commute who are maybe in the gym <laughs> multitasking listening to podcasts when they're warming up uh, who want to do this who want to to see a different a different way, who want to change their patterns of thinking, but who will tell themselves, I don't have time to bring this into my life. Yeah. What would you say to someone in that position, Debbie? I'd say, that's okay.
1: It's okay to have that thought. But that doesn't mean that you can't challenge that thought. So for a lot of my high achieving um, corporate clients or high level entrepreneurs, they will, they will come and say exactly the same thing. And I'll say to them, but maybe that's a thought error. And before we bring love in, what I'll say to them is, why don't we just create a state of curiosity around how could this look? Could I find time for it? So the question is framed, could I? Might I? How would that feel? How would that look? So it's a questioning process rather than, oh, you know, must must love myself more. Must love, go, you know, must go into a new regime. That's not it. You know, it's not
0: it to do on the list, isn't yeah. it? Something else that you have to do, because I think we live in this world where it's very, very hard. I think for a lot of us to distinguish between high performance, productivity, efficiency, grind, go, 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 hustle, 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 and pause. Yeah. And actually, what you're saying is that there's a lot more. some almost the Venn diagram. There's a lot more crossover between those two experiences, experiences and it doesn't have to be quite so cut and dry.
1: Yeah. I mean, I often just turn it completely on its head uh, for a lot of people um, because I think that it's a big pile of BS that it has to be that way. That's the old paradigm. And I do question and I say, what if this could be easy? What What if you could feel joyful in your work? What if everything felt easeful? What if by the time we finished working together, your only focus is on to feel vital in your life? And I can see them going, oh, you know, just placing the thought that that could be possible as opposed to the go, 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 must do everything, must be involved in everything. More often than not, when I dig a bit deeper, I find that they're just doing too much and they could say no to 80% of it. it Yeah, once we start exploring that, it's really interesting what they feel happy to let go. But we don't do it all at once. The most important thing for me is that real steady process of learning how to unlearn first and then allowing different practices to come in and be curious with them for a while and just say what works and what doesn't for you. You know, we're all unique human beings. What works for one won't work for another. And there'll also be a period of feeling quite unsettled by it because, If you've worked like that all your life and you've been a grade A student and a high achiever and, you know, a type A, as they're called, then, like I said at the start, there's a certain self-concept that's attached to that that you might be fearful to let go. And that's totally understandable. So we just go slow and we tread softly. But what I can say is those who have learned this new way of working, they never want to go back ever. So it's, it''s a it's a lifetime practice, and it works. you know, and I've had my own challenge with it. Can I really build a very successful business whilst loving myself deeply? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes, but I've had to retrain my brain to
0: consider that there might be another way. the uh, role of the, the client here. What about someone who feels like to take energy? away from um, their job role for example their career and put it into themselves they, f- they may feel as though they, that would mean compromising or, or dropping the ball when it comes to their professional career is would that be correct or does loving yourself give you and equip you with more energy to to give elsewhere is that how it works
1: I think there's an element of It's not just about teaching them to love themselves more deeply, but it's also about in the moments and the times prior to this where love has been absent in your life, what exists there that doesn't belong to you? You know, so what can we strip away? What what can we help you to let go of? And I use this analogy of the being the hot air balloon. Quite often what's happening is women who are rightly bright, smart, ambitious, what they don't realise they're doing is they're in a hot air balloon and they're in the basket and they keep trying to turn up the heat and turn up the heat to rise without realising that they have inadvertently and sometimes not inadvertently left loads of saddlebags on the hot air balloon, which means that they're trying to rise saddled with things that actually they don't need to be responsible for so many of them have taken extra responsibilities on or they've said yes to things that they really wanted to say no or they're doing things to please others because they have people-pleasing tendencies or they're still doing things because they've always done it that way and they don't want to disappoint people or they fear judgment from people And quite often what we do is we just take one saddlebag at a time and we say, how would it look and feel if we decided to drop that? So we drop a saddlebag over the side and we work on that one first and we don't turn up the heat for a while. And then they love, because what happens is, I call it getting high on your own supply. Falling in love with yourself is very similar to the process that we go through when we fall in love with someone else. And you dive deeper and deeper and deeper the longer you begin this relationship with yourself. And so you just want more. It becomes quite addictive. You see the real benefits because you start to feel this freedom and this liberation. So the next thing you think, right, well, we've used that, we've Focus on that subtle vibe. What's the next thing I want to do? Right, let's get rid of people-pleasing. Brilliant. Okay. Well, now that we've got rid of people-pleasing, maybe we could turn the heat up on boundaries a bit. So we turn the heat up over here because you having good boundaries stops you from going back to that old behavior. So it's, it's about knowing when to turn up the heat, knowing when to get let go and release so that eventually... When we do get rid of their saddlebags, we then go, okay, great. Now we're turning up the heat and for a while we want to travel. So the next quarter, we're going to focus on getting you to the boardroom. So your next big promotion, brilliant. And what we're not going to do is attach any bags whilst we're on our journey anymore. Or we're going to see what you need to keep that fire going. So you see, using that analogy helps them to see that it's not really about time. Again, it's about having better thoughts about the choices that you're currently making.
0: That was going to be my next question, Libby. Is are setting boundaries? Is setting boundaries a way of showing yourself deep self love?
1: Oh God, yes, it is. But here's the interesting thing: that quite often when when somebody comes to me and says oh, I really need to be better at boundaries. And I'll laugh because I, I know already what's come in. And I'll say, okay, just talk me through it. Talk me through it. My idea of boundaries is that most people think they need to be better at boundaries because what they're really saying is, I need to be better at reacting to that person's behavior. And what I tell them is, don't do the heavy lifting for somebody else's hard work. So you don't need to get better at dealing with somebody else who isn't dealing with their problems.
0: You, What's the best way to approach that?
1: Well, you can do a number of things. You can silently remove yourself. You know, this is what I say to people. We don't have to have confrontation when it comes to boundaries. You can create a sacred boundary within yourself where you say, from now on, I'm not getting involved in your drama, but I'm not going to announce it to you. I'm just going to step away. And all of my thoughts about that are going to be around, okay, so I won't respond to the WhatsApp and I won't get involved in the gossip. And yes, when there's drama going on over there, I'll just say, guys, I think I'm going to step out for a while. You do what you need to do. Suddenly you realize you don't have to fix everything confrontationally. And then boundaries become this beautiful, sacred thing that you use simply to protect your freedom. But what you're not doing is protecting yourself from somebody else's problem. You give it back to them. You know, you don't need to do the heavy lifting for everybody. Give it back. Step back into sacredness.
0: I've never thought about setting silent boundaries.
1: Yeah.
0: I've always thought of them as something that needs to be announced. Because if I announce it to you, then I almost detach responsibility because I've told you about it so I'm in some way trying to please you this is psychology for me but that's what it feels like is you want to announce your boundary to someone because then you can't be criticized but actually Mm -hmm. there's no need no
1: no need that's just a thought error. but that's how it goes and also we sort of think if I've told you I'm giving you a chance to fix it How many times has that person gone, thank you so much for telling me that you're putting up boundaries with me. I'll really make that change. Very rarely. (laughs) Very rarely. They might come back in a few months when they've maybe done a bit work and thought, actually, maybe she had a point. But in that moment, no, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear it. But you get to have your own sacred, silent boundaries. You don't have to think... Oh, I need to double down on this because then you're accepting the heavy load and it's not yours to hold.
0: Do you meditate oh. or do any practices along those lines? Yeah, I do. I do. A
1: lot I do a lot of again, you know, meditation for me takes lots of different guises. I do gardening as meditation for me, walking is meditation, but I do. I do absolutely adore silence I have to have silence so sometimes that isn't meditation but it just means that I'm on my own and I'm in a space where I can absolutely do whatever I want to do and I genuinely um, listen to certain types of meditative music when I'm doing my work uh, you know it brings out the best in me when I'm writing or if I'm being creative or develop courses so yeah I I'm probably in a meditative state a lot of the time throughout the day, but just not what it, you know, what other people think it
0: looks like. The more I dive into meditation, I'm doing guided at the moment, but the more I'm doing that, I'm realizing the difference between uh, between thinking and, and feeling in the body, and I'm just interested into into your practices. Yeah. Debbie, for clients who want to lean into this idea of self-love and they want to, are, are Mission with a podcast is, as you know, as soon as you finish an episode, there are some tangible takeaways that you can then start to apply in your own life. For anyone listening to this who wants to lean into this a little bit more, we've talked about, you know, the questioning and, and the uh, our, our doors that we want to be opening and uh, and ask whether things are, are factual. or Are there any other tools, quick and easy tools that you use with your clients just to get the ball rolling and to get them perhaps challenging those thoughts in in challenging situations
1: yeah and and, you know for some of them I have to give them tools that allow them in the moment to really make a difference so you know I did a, a talk with a group of head teachers uh 90 head teachers just before Christmas and and they said some of the most um great things that I mentioned in my talk was just right if you're in the middle of a meeting or if you're in the middle of what is a tricky situation grind your feet into the floor just your toes grip the floor, root yourself, just make yourself feel a little bit more certain with where you are. And then do the heartbeat technique, which is take a breath, let your heartbeat, let yourself respond to whatever's going on in that situation. And another way, if somebody recognizes that they're in their heads, I say to them, just close your eyes, take a moment, pause, be okay with the pause. And just imagine there's a pebble sort of slowly circling around your brain until it gets to a point where it slows and slows and slows and then it drops into your heart and then let it sit there because your heart will tell you a different story than your head will. In that moment, you will get a very different answer than the one that you were trying to generate in your head. Let your heart sometimes lead for you and that can be the easiest way to start a heart-led practice is, is just to connect with it and think, you know, not to think that our heads are the biggest fixers of everything, every question and query that we've got for ourselves, is just see what it feels like to sit there in that space. That's something I do a lot, and I've been doing it for years now because, my God, the different answers I get when I allow myself to drop there than, than when I stay up here is, is it's like night and day, really. You know, so they would be the, the simplest ways to just connect with yourself and the source. You are the source. That's it. Love comes from you. So just give yourself that pause, settle down, grind your feet in, you know, let your heart beat and then let it drop.
0: And that, that will help. And that's such an, uh, a tangible practice that whether you are sitting at your desk, whether you're in a meeting, whether you're driving somewhere, you're on the commute or, or you're waiting to go into the office, you can take a minute and you can pause. And I think what I keep coming back to and the dots that I'm connecting here, Debbie, is the more we're looking after the self, the more we are able to show up for other people. I know this is about loving ourselves deeply and I know this is about our relationship with ourselves but we do as part of self-love want to be our very best selves and want to show up as, as best we can in the, all areas professionally personally uh, romantically familiarly. and that does really come from from an intrinsic uh, belief and an intrinsic trust doesn't yeah. it with yourself
1: yeah and, and you'd be surprised that people sometimes think oh my god what's this going to mean if i love myself before i love others it doesn't work like that what happens is you start to be able to give, but this time you're giving from a very full cup. So really, instead of giving the dregs, you're actually giving from the overflow. And that's how it works. And it's, I I kid you not, some people have come to work with me on their careers or their business, and it's actually saved their marriages, you know, or it's created an unbelievably deeper and more beautiful relationship with their children.
0: Because when you're giving from the dregs, it's almost, there's a bit of resentment that goes on there, isn't it? And it's exhausted and it's it's not the very best of you. Whereas I love the full cup analogy and I love the, the overflow and we should really be looking after ourselves. And, yeah. and so much to think about, Debbie. I just want to say thank you so much. You've given me a completely different perspective and I could talk to you about this for, for hours, but thank you so much for your time if anyone wants to uh, connect with you Debbie find out more about what you do and your practices where are the best places to find you
1: just find me on LinkedIn Um, not LinkedIn Instagram so it's at underscore Debbie Edwards underscore just come and connect with me you know whatever you can learn um you'll find a lot in my content um but yeah you know whatever whatever really resonates just reach
0: out I always love to hear from people We'll link you in the the show notes below. Thank you so much. for.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Good luck, everybody. You know, as I say, you know, excuse me for swearing, but you're just a cup of fucking sunshine. Just love yourself. Just love yourself. Honestly, you'll never regret it.
0: Thanks, Debbie. We'll speak to you soon. See you soon. Bye. I want to say a huge thank you. To Debbie for taking the time to record this episode. You can tell from the recording this gave me such an incredible insight into Debbie's approach and it felt as though I was joining dots and ideas there and then on the episode that I haven't ever done before. So I hope you had as valuable as an insightful experience as I did. I had to message Debbie the next day and say I've spent this morning asking myself you know, what actions can I take to love myself even more deeply? This is exactly what we want from Health Hacks. We want to give you tangible and practical hints and tips where you can bring positive experiences to your lifestyle, whether that be in the realm of nutrition, whether it be in formal exercise, whether it be in mindset. And I think it can be so easy for many of us. In the episode, I put this in the context of fat loss, but I don't actually believe that's completely accurate. I think for many of us trying to make any change to our lifestyle. We often do this from a restrictive or or a negative place. And if you take one thing away from this episode, I hope it's to be more abundant with your positivity, with your self-compassion, with your self-love and bring that to your journey. Start there and the rest will follow. And as ever, I want to say a huge thank you for joining us on this week's episode. I know that you could be listening to 101 different podcasts. There are amazing platforms across the internet, amazing content being produced and the fact that you spend an hour with us every single week listening to Health Hacks, I will never stop being exceptionally grateful. If you find what we do valuable, if you have taken away a practical hints, if you find the recordings motivational, if you think they would be helpful to someone in your life, maybe you've had a conversation recently with a close friend or family member who wants to make a change, but they just don't feel that they're in the right headspace to do so. Send them this recording, send them health hacks. The more that we can spread our message, the more people that we can help, the better. That is my mission. So if you would like to support us in any way, Sending to someone in your close circle. It's going to say in your phone book, but people don't even have a phone book anymore, do they? Send it to someone on Instagram who you think would love our recordings and we would be exceptionally grateful. Last thing for me today, we are launching a new intake of our six-week power challenge that will be launching on the 17th of April. So if you are interested, drop me a little message. We'll send you some early bird information. We'll get you signed up. And that six-week challenge is to work directly one-to-one with a coach, and we'll be reviewing your movement throughout the week, your formal exercise, your nutrition, and helping you make a kickstart to your health, fitness, and wellness journey. Thank you so much, and we'll catch up next week.